Fry Gave a 13th Horror Podcast is a proud independent podcast. To learn more about the show, visit frygave13.com. Sukadik, Sukadik, Sukadik. Okay, everybody, quiet down. It's time for our annual Sukadik fundraiser meeting. Yes, this year we'll be raising funds for our sister sorority, Lickacleet. We need to stand in solidarity with our, our fellow Greeks. Uh, so, so who's got the first idea? Oh, what about a U-Haul sale where we rent out U-Hauls and then we sell things out the back of them? Interesting idea. Uh, what else? Hmm. Cat adoption. So many little pussies out there that need a good home. Ugh, love where your head's at. Anything else? How about a billiards tournament? I know those ladies love a good pool game. Brother Maddie, you are always so good at this. Thanks. It's just in my blood, I guess. It's episode 104. Sororities are terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay divine, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! What do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. Brace yourself, this sorority recruitment video takes a crazy turn. Beyond the door are the giddy sorority sisters of Alpha Delta Pi at the University of Texas at Austin, stacked like a pyramid, excitedly clapping and chanting. Some Twitter users are ripping the video apart. They really did just open the gates of hell. Welcome to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie, And I am Andrew. Yes, he is. And folks, welcome to the horror. Welcome to the podcast that talks about <laughs> horror. That's what I was trying to say. The podcast that talks about horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ perspective. And we are here today with our 104th episode all about sororities now if you go back uh do you remember what number it is andrew fraternities it's exactly a year ago that's all i can say okay so <laughs> it's a, it's about 24 episodes ago somewhere in there so about 24 episodes ago you will find fraternities are terrifying and um we uh when we produced that show we thought oh well we'll save sororities for next year and here we are um so we've got a great show lined up for you uh two films that you know i think a lot of horror fans love and have a lot of fun with Killer Party from 1986, and then just 11 short years later, Scream 2. Um, which, uh, what, what have we, what other Scream have we done on, on the show? We so, have not done a Scream on the show. So this will be our first one. 
Oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. I thought we had done one. Oh, well. Um, so that's cool. There we go. Um, Andrew, before we get into the meat of the episode, um, before we really slash into it, um, how about a couple things in our certified terrifying corner? You ready for that? Huh? I'd love to pull over and see what's happening at the certified terrifying corner. It's, it's a great corner. You can do a lot in that corner. It's very big, this corner. Very, very big. Um, the first thing that I have for you in the certified terrifying corner, Andrew, and these are little bits from real life that we find very terrifying. The first thing is this. This month, student loan payments are about to recommence in America, and those with loans are facing huge repayments they aren't prepared for and can't afford. Um, so this should be an interesting, um, interesting time for the economy ahead. Yeah, um, I'm kind of of two minds about this specific topic. Tell me those two uh, minds. If if I'm be, if I'm being totally honest, and I'm trying not to be, uh, I'm trying not to be inconsiderate. That's like something I'm really trying to be hard, <laughs> but like not okay. doing anymore. Um, but like, I don't know. Like we've had what was this? It's got to be what two and a half years, essentially, right? This but- since we've kind of like put them on hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, you, you mean for they, they were on hold for the pandemic? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, we were talking about the this is kind of a sidebar, but we were talking about like the NFL and the NBA and stuff yesterday, just about like these people. And it, it doesn't happen as much anymore, but it happened a lot in like the 90s and early 2000s where people uh, that went into the NFL or the NBA or some big, you know, athletic thing where they make like literally so much money like so much money yeah yeah. and then five years later they're broke and you're like well what why didn't you do something with all that money and so like i'm kind of like you guys knew you were gonna have to repay these at some point so you should have maybe prepared a little better i'm not saying that there's not like uh situations where that's just not available to people i totally understand that i'm just um I don't know. I mean, mine are coming back. I have to repay mine too. It's just like one of those things. Like, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I, I only know sure. my financial situation. Um, and I, I can't, uh, I can't tell other people how to feel about their own financial situation. That's not my, I'm not an accountant. I'm not in that field. So I, I just, people need to be a little bit more uh, fastidious with their money and just understand that like, you're you're gonna have to owe you're always gonna have to owe taxes and you're always yeah. gonna have to owe these things and i mean if we want healthcare and stuff in this world that that does come with a price i don't know i i don't know i don't know maybe i'm just i'm snowballing but i'm just trying to i i feel like if i have to pay them back so should everybody else <laughs> yeah basically so i'm i'm of a, i'm of a very different mind on this i i think that um when when it comes to student loans i i think that it's it's ridiculous that anyone had to pay for for public college in the first place and and you know i i think that that, that this would go for any sort of of post secondary school training that you would want to do and i think you know just like other countries or like the country that i live in now um, you know, if you choose to go to a private school, that's up to you. You know, if you choose mm-hmm. to go to like, you know, a Harvard or whatever, hey, that's 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 your game. But if you choose to go to a public school like Indiana University or any other state school or community college or a trade school or any sort of post-secondary training, I think that that should be covered by by the state. And I think that there's more than enough money to cover that. And how do I know there's more than enough money to cover that? Well, here's one example for you. If you look at how much money America is spending right now on the war in Ukraine, 
I think that you could probably forgive one hell of a lot of loans that yeah, are out there yeah. right now for that money. And so I think it's a lot less about people being fastidious with their money or like planning ahead to pay for it. Because when we think about it too, the interest rates on these loans are insane. And so like, it's not like it's a credit card or it's not like it's a, I don't know, like a, a car that you bought. I mean, like th this, these are loans. These are very, very serious loans that are long lasting that people take out when they're like 17 years old. And I mm -hmm. think it's, I think it's predatory and I think it's wrong to expect that, you know, here, here, go get your degree and roll the dice and let's see what kind of job you get later. Oh, and by the way, the economy sucks. Oh, and by the way, wages have not stayed constant with inflation and wages have not gone up in the way that they should go up. Minimum wage hasn't gone up. People that all, all of the costs for your life have, have gone up though, that's for sure. And so nothing has arranged itself in such a way where the millions of people who owe trillions in in um in this in this you know supposed debt can actually pay it off. And so I, I think it's I think it's really ridiculous in America where we can pay for war after war after war, including a war that we're not even involved in right now, including yeah, that war. Yeah. But we can't pay for people's education. I think that's very, very fucked up. And if, if we want to take it a little bit further, let's look back to when we bailed out the banks. Trillions of dollars came from taxpayers to bail out the banks that were apparently too big to fail. And in the end, what happened? <laughs> they got free money. Like literally, they got free money from my pocket and from yours. So once again, we can bail them out, but we can't bail just the normal everyday person like you and me, who both of us, you know, still owe student loans. So I think it's a travesty uh, for, for America. And I, I think that the, the powers that be should be really ashamed. Now, if we think also about when Biden was trying to get the student loans forgiven, uh, up to 10,000 for most people and up to 20,000 for other people that had like Pell Grants or things like that. You know, it's a real shame that the Supreme Court acted the way that it did, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not surprised. I think Biden took way too long to act on it in the first place. And, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a travesty. You know, I know too, speaking about my own student loans, you know, I worked for 13 years in nonprofits mm -hmm. and as uh, some people might know, there is the PSLF, the public service, uh, loan forgiveness program. Um, and the, the program is pretty simple. You work a nonprofit at an eligible place for 10 years and you get your loans forgiven. I worked for over 10 years in nonprofit making not that much money doing a really good thing for the world, doing a really good thing for families and children, working to help teachers. And you know, just, I could go on and on and on about how good it was, but it doesn't really matter. My loans didn't get forgiven. So there was a promise given to me by America that they did not keep. So I feel really strongly about this. And I think yeah, it's I'm coming up on that. I'm coming up on that 10 years. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, good luck. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, they'll, they're going to forgive yours. But I can tell you this. It wasn't because I wasn't fastidious because I wasn't making enough money. And well, no, I mean, I'm just saying like, it, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And we won't belabor this like too much longer. But like, I, I feel like the education system in and of itself is set up incorrectly if that makes more sense because okay. like i think that if we had universities you know the the, the the quote unquote like state universities if those were set up to be 
more nonprofit type places where we could get an education for little to no money or, you know, that kind of a thing. But that's yeah, the way sure. it's set up. It's if you want to go to university, you're going to pay billions, you know, whatever, you, you know, you know, up front, like what your what your tuition is going to be. So I agree. With, I, I think all community colleges should be free. And I think that we should figure out like how that should work. But the education system is so profitable that they just don't set it up that way. And it's yeah, really, yeah. it really I, sucks. I, I, I just think it's really easy for, for people on, on the other side of the, and I'm not talking about you in particular here. I'm just saying like, it's pretty easy for people on the other side of the argument to say, well, you took a loan, you should pay it back. That's not, that's just not it. I mean, like I said, this isn't a car. This isn't like a fucking TV that I bought. It's my fucking education. And like, you know, I've done really great things with it in this world. I've, I've helped to make my own little part of the world a better place because I got that education. And I don't think that I should be saddled with it even now when I'm 41 fucking years old. I think it's fucking insane. So look, we'll leave it there. Um, but look, I'm, I'm wishing everybody the best out there because it's going to be one hell of a shitstorm. Um, since we last recorded 103 and we took our little hiatus there for a month, um, some some deaths have occurred that have been really sad, Andrew. And mm -hmm. the first one, especially for horror fans, William Friedkin died. And um, I mean, look, the guy was old, you know, like that's, yeah. the thing, that's the thing with a lot of these deaths. Like, you know, they're old. They've had a great life. Don't get me wrong. Um, but William Friedkin dying, that was... It was less sad and more of like a trip down memory lane, if you know what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah, like, it's kind of like uh, one of those people that you like kind of forgot about for a little bit, but they were always in the back of your head, like always there. Like, yeah, when you watch certain things and you it's 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 kind of like when Wes Craven died, you know, like, I guess oh, that's yeah. Like, like 10 years ago or whatever. Um, yeah, sure. Like it, it's these people that have always been a part of your life, but you forget, you know they've what I mean? They've always been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, William Friedkin, if there, there's a, there's a really great Twitter thread out there. I think we might've retweeted it. I can't remember if I did that or not, but um, there's a great Twitter thread that is all about how funny William Friedkin was. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you don't know what a goofball this dude was, I encourage you look into it because he was a fucking weirdo <laughs> and like, but like on purpose and because he just loved being funny. I don't know. I, I won't, I won't even get into it. Just like go have a look at it because it's really, really wonderful stuff. Um, also on that list though, too, some other people that died, Sinead O'Connor died. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Rubens died, Tony Bennett. And just yesterday, Jimmy Buffett, the parrot mm -hmm. had himself died. And Bob Barker. Oh, and Bob, I forgot about Bob Barker. You're right. Price is right. God, isn't that, this, those are some major deaths, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, like, for me, I look at this list and I see 87. I see, you know, Bob Barker was 99. Obviously, Jimmy Buffett, old. Tony Bennett, very old. But then I see people like Sinead O'Connor and Paul Rubens, and I'm like, not Ugh. that old. And it's, it sucks. Like, the, the, the one thing that, like, I mean, we talked about this. We have a whole fucking episode on death, but like, the one thing to like think that we have to all put our like hats on is that we're all going to die one day. Just like really will. sucks balls. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, it is, it's, it sucks. And you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think all of these people that we just listed had their own little important place in my life, you know? Yeah, of course. And, um, just, a, just, it's a, it's a, it's one hell of a string of deaths, you know? So yeah, those are our items for the Certified Terrifying Corner. Now on with the rest of the show. Yeah, I will fire up my Margaritaville um, mm. margarita machine today and have oh, a cheeseburger. Right. 
in honor. If, if listeners don't know, I have a, an abnormally giant Margaritaville machine that I bought in the pandemic. And you know I what? Know. It's fucking great. I, I was there. For, I was there for this purchase. And let me tell you, that thing fucking rocks. Thank it's you. Be 95 degrees in Chicago today. So we'll I, fire that baby up. You know what? Too? Hey, I'll, I, I mean, we, we won't spend any more time on it. But just to say this, too, I did not. I, I read an, an article in The New York Times. I did not realize honestly just how good of a businessman jimmy buffett was holy oh he's a billionaire (laughs) like incredible the empire that he built anyways all right let's talk all about sororities should we talk a little bit about the history of sororities oh yes please so sororities originally called women's fraternities because women can't have anything that men can have. <laughs> My God. Um, began to develop in 1851 with the formation of the Adelphian Society Alpha Delta Pi. Though fraternity-like organizations for women didn't take their current form until the establishment of Pi Beta Phi in 1867 and Kappa Alpha Theta and Kappa Kappa Gamma in 1870. The term sorority was used by a professor uh, of Latin at Syracuse University, Frank Smalley, uh, who felt the word fraternity was inappropriate for a group of ladies. Uh, The word comes from uh, the Latin soror, which meaning sister, cousin, daughter of a father's brother or female friend. No, no, uh, isn't that isn't that funny? They chose a Latin word for a Greek thing. That's I, yeah. I didn't even I didn't it, even think about that. And it was created by a man. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, my goodness. Uh, the first organization to use the term sorority was Gamma Phi Beta. And that was established in 1874. So that's just like a little bit about like where they come from. So if you really think about um, sororities, they're only about, what would that be? About 150 years old. So not really. You know, it's, 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 it's not that old. And it's good that you brought this up because, you know, when I was doing the research for this, you know, for whatever I was going to talk about, I was looking at like sorority horror stories or sorority deaths or, you know, whatever the stuff, you know, the crazy shit that you and I look up. And it was funny because, like, every time I searched, mostly, like, fraternity stuff would come up. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's, it's actually, like, for people who have never done this before, it's actually, like, it's not that easy to get a lot of stuff on sororities. I was, I was pretty surprised for this episode. Yeah, and definitely, I don't know if you, I don't know how much you are on, like, the, uh, the video version of uh, social media, like, with, like, the reels and the TikToks okay. and, like, all that stuff. But there's this new phenomenon, and I don't know if you've seen this. But where uh, essentially to rush uh, different sororities, they have to put on like a like a a show like a they have to like go in front of the house and do like this whole da- choreographed dance and like whoever does like the best one gets in and like oh all the stuff. I don't, I, have you seen any of this? I, I well, I've only seen like the um, I haven't seen those. The, the only thing that I could think of that I've seen on like reels or Insta or, or anything like that would be like the um it's like where all the sorority sisters are like welcoming new pledges and mm-hmm. so it's it's, like it's these, sort of like that these ridiculous videos of like everyone's wearing the exact same thing and they're all yep. like super bubbly and whatever and like it's just it's kind of funny yeah and it's so funny because you look at that and you're like oh my god look like so much fun but then you think about what we're about to talk about and that's like this this like mean underbelly of like what like what actually goes on and like it's the darkness and the light it is so (sighs) we've talked about this before 
teenagers going into their 20s are awful people. <laughs> they just yeah. are awful people. And the, the way that we demean people to, build, I guess, like, quote, unquote, like, build people up. I, oh, gosh, I wouldn't. I yeah. I am so glad that I didn't. We didn't really have a, a Greek system where I went to college. I mean, we did, but it wasn't very popular. Um, I would I don't think I would have survived it, if I'm being honest. I, yeah. I hate being I hate being humiliated. I hate being I hate having attention on me. And this would have, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have made it. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a, my, my, my sister um, shared a story with me for, for this episode and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Um, or actually, no, no, no. Maybe I'll just tell you right now. Why would yeah, I just do it, do it now? <laughs> um, so yeah, my sister, uh, Rebecca shared this with me and um, uh, hold on, let me just find it here. Cause she texted it. Um, do, 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 do. So, um, Okay. So I, I had asked her, I said, hey, you know, we're doing this episode tomorrow about, you know, sororities being terrifying. I said, do you have any sorority horror stories that you that you might want to share? And she said this. I'll just read it to you verbatim. How about how a little freshman pledge is taken from her dorm room in the middle of the night, blindfolded, thrown in a car, has alcohol poured down her throat, driven to the woods, tied to a tree and left for what felt like hours before her fraternity, and in quotes here, dad, came to rescue her as that's the way to meet your dad. Gross. That was part of her, like, uh, initiation or hazing or whatever. Um, and, like, I didn't know that she had, had to do that. But, I mean, like, look, we, we all, not all of us, but I, I would say a, a good fair few of us in college, you know, obviously got wasted quite often. Um, but it was usually because we wanted to. Um, I can't imagine. I, I, I honestly, I felt so bad for for uh, Rebecca when she told me this because I, I didn't know that story, and that had to be terrifying when you're that young, like absolutely terrifying. And I don't really understand. Um, I don't know. Like I, I don't really get the psychology of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the humiliation. Yeah, I mean, because I, I'm for me, it's like you know, I, I, I you know, I'm a people leader, right? I'm, I'm a manager. I'm, a, I'm a leader at a company, and I think about you know the, the psychology of bringing people together. Really, I mean, I really do mean this pretty often because it's extremely important for team building that you know your team is cohesive and feels like they're all heading in the same direction and they like each other and blah 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 blah, right? Never would I think in a million years, let's take an employee and tie them up to a tree and pour alcohol down their throat. And then like my director will come find them. Do, do you know what I mean? Like there's, I can't imagine how humiliation would bring people closer. Do you know? Yeah. I, I think that it all stems from this weird obligation to tradition Ugh. and it's like, well, the people before you had to go through this, so you have to go through this. Like, it's, yeah. And it, it's, I mean, like, listen, I'm just saying that that's where I think it comes from. Sure. I think it's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> I think I it's really think, messed up. I think that that's but, probably a good explanation because I don't, I don't think anyone probably could explain it in full. I mean, it's just, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. You know, it's like, it's like well, they're, I mean, they're keeping you prisoner and, th and then, and then you have to say, I love you after. I mean, it's it's anything in life. Like we are, as humans, we have this weird, inane, like thing in our brain that says we have to do things a certain way. Like we have to get married a certain way. So we have dumb. to, and it, it, and I can't explain it, and I don't know where it comes from. But like, that's just like what humans do, and it's, it's, it's so weird. It's, it's a, it's, it is truly amazing how many people do not believe that they have a choice in life, that they don't yeah, have yeah. any agency at all. It's 
it's very, very weird. Yeah. Um, do you want to do your true crime piece first? And then we'll yeah, do a little sure. bit about and then we'll do a little bit about hazing. Yeah. So this sort of brings in a little bit of uh sorority stuff and a little bit of serial killer. Um, because it's talking about one of the most famous serial killers, Ted Bundy. Um, and I, you know, it's it's like when I think about Ted Bundy, um, which I don't think about him often, by the way, I just want to point that out. Yeah. But when I when I when I do think of him. Um, which is very rarely, um, I kind of forget that like it, it, the, the main part of what he did took place in a, in a sorority house. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about Chi Omega at Florida state university, um, and, uh, I've got a, an article for you from grunge.com. It's the truly horrific crime scene of Ted Bundy's FSU sorority attack. Uh, you can read more of this on on grunge.com, like I just said. Um, and I think it was, I think in 2018, it might have been 40 years since the murder. I can't quite recall. That sounds about right, because I feel like that was when like all the Netflix stuff popped yeah. up. And oh, like, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, um, it was Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy, wasn't it? I ne- I didn't watch it. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I think. And, it, if, and you know I love him, but it, he, it wasn't very good. Anyways, um, here's the article. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, Ed Gein, Richard Ramirez. On the list of the most infamous American serial killers of all time, Ted Bundy comes in somewhere near the top. What an, what an interesting opener to this article, right? That's an, that's an author. I know, <laughs> right? Choice. I think I would put Ted Bundy above Richard Ramirez, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, yeah, Bundy, I'd put him in the middle there. Yeah. yeah. Bundy, who committed 20, at least 28 murders, went on his killing spree in the mid to late 1970s. Uh, and he was arrested by police multiple times because of his suspicious behavior, and he also escaped multiple times. Um, but he was eventually sentenced to death in 1979 and finally executed in 1989. Uh, during his crime tree and sp- uh, crime crime tree crime spree, pardon me, and trial, Bundy drew plenty of public attention. Uh, and now, more than three decades after, at, at this point now, more than four after Bundy died, he remains a well-known figure in popular culture um and of course that is partly due to the 1978 crime scene at the florida state university chi omega sorority house in tallahassee florida for which bundy was eventually sentenced to death so the crime scene before dawn on january 15th 1978 police received a call about an incident at a local sorority house on the Florida State University campus. Officers responding to the call found a scene of panic and carnage. Four members of the sorority had been attacked around 3 a.m. Two of them had severe injuries from a beating, including a girl named Kathy Kleiner, whose jaw had been broken in three places, and her roommate, Karen Chandler, who had significant head injuries. Kleiner recalled waking up when her attacker came into the room, but not being able to see him or defend herself. But worse was the scene around Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy. These sorority sisters, who were beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted, didn't survive the attack. Still, these four attacks weren't enough for Bundy, and that same night, Bundy assaulted Cheryl Thomas, another FSU student in her nearby home. She was also beaten by Bundy, but attributes her survival to the quick thinking of her neighbors, who heard the commotion in her apartment and called the police. Initially, authorities didn't believe Bundy could be responsible for the attacks, because he had never gone on a killing spree within girls' homes before. 
However, when Bundy was arrested in a nearby area for having stolen license plates, authorities connected the dots and charged him with murder. Bundy was placed on trial in June of 1979 for the murders he committed at the Chi Omega House. Uh, the trial, which lasted almost a month, culminated in a guilty verdict. He was sentenced to death by electrocution, and later Bundy would go on to be tried for other crimes, but it was ultimately the death sentence delivered to him in the FSU sorority house case, which sealed his fate. The survivors of the sorority house murders healed in the weeks and months following the attack, though the impact of their injuries and mental distress lasted for many more years. Kathy Kleiner shared that she struggled to come to terms with the death of her sorority sisters, and Cheryl Thomas who was assaulted near the house, deals with permanent deafness as a result of the attack. So a pretty terrifying thing to have happen at a, at a sorority house. And, you know, when you think about it, like you, you, this article sort of uses women and girls interchangeably, but like you do have to remember that like the people in sorority houses, they're just girls, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I think about my, my, my niece, Ella, who I just loved to death. Um, and Ella is fantastic. She goes to Indiana University um, and she um, she pledged for a sorority last year. I, I totally forget which one. Um, and, you know, she's with the girls this year. I, she's not living in the house, she's living in an apartment, but she'll be at the sorority house quite often. And like it's it's weird to think about like people that were that are my niece's age. Right. Those are the ones who were getting attacked by Ted Bundy. It's terrifying to think about like they're just. Like Ella for me is just like, she's just still a girl. Do you know what I mean? Like she's just so young and well, it, just, it makes it, it makes it that much more, uh, that much more awful. Well, no. And that's the thing that like, it always gets me about these obsessions with these like true crime, like horror, yeah. like, uh, you know, the big four that you were like named, uh, is that so much of the story is about them yeah, and not sure, about sure. the victims. And that's really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that we know Ted Bundy's name, but we don't know Cheryl Thomas or Kathy Kleiner or yeah. any of these Great other point. women, like that's messed up. I, <laughs> and I, I think that that's totally something that we, we really need to take a look at and, and why. Um, the other thing I was thinking about with your, with your niece um, yeah. uh, is that there's this weird new thing that I did not know about until hanging out with your family and learning more about like the Greek system as it exists nowadays. And that's over rushing a sorority. And oh, right, right, right. Yes. This is so weird. And so there's this new thing now to where even if the house is full, they were, they will over rush the sorority so that they have more members, but those members can't live in the house. They have to live, like you said, your, your uh, niece is in an apartment and uh, paying an ass load of money for that apartment. Yep. <laughs> they sure, they and, sure paying for it. And guess, and guess what all, you know that all that means is that the sorority is making more money yeah. <laughs> because I mean, you know, it's, they're they're all they're all are just little businesses that's all that they are oh yeah yeah it, it is the greek system it, it at the end of the day there is no system without money and so think mm -hmm. about that when you're just you know whatever when, when <laughs> you're I, when you're systeming think about that yeah 
Um, no, uh, so I do want to talk a little bit about the positive side of sororities because just like when we did, this is a great point. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Just like when we did fraternities, there is a positive side. I think that what sororities, just like many other things that we, we do in life, what they're meant to instill is a sense of community and a sense of like camaraderie and a sense of like, you know, going forward, you'll always know these people, you'll always have them in your life. So maybe if there's a business opportunity in the future, you can be like, well, I know that, you know, so-and-so is really good at this. We could bring her on. And, and I, and I do like, I do think that that's really important, especially if people that are entering, you know, their, their late teens, early twenties, that, don't have fucking anything figured out and need some like maybe that someone that's like a couple years older to like help them understand like even like the the university that they're at or like what to do or like where to go or like where's safe to go party or like sure. whatever i think that that's like a side that we that we maybe don't think about but it is it is important to understand because like i remember when i was navigating university here in the in the US I didn't know anything. Like sure. I literally had to just go in blind with my my stupid like map that was printed out and like where to go and like if I would have had somebody to be there and be like, "Hey, uh are you looking for room 107 or like whatever?" That would have been super helpful. So I I do see the upside of sororities. Unfortunately, as humans, we have to like make it horrible. <laughs> no, no, no. no. But, I I really do agree with this. And you know, like, you know, for example, thinking about Ella, you know, uh once again, like Ella's sorority I know is like really really good about like social justice issues. Like they, 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 they were one of the first on campus. I think that they were, um, to like start talking about like black lives matter and like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And like, you know, to, uh, you know, even beyond anything even like that, or like, you know, the fundraising that they'll do for this charity or that charity, like, you know, for me, when I went, when I went to school and like, you know, like for, for Michael too, like we, we went to school for things that like naturally had a community. It's like, I went to school for theater, Michael went to school for music. And like, those are two things where like, you're going to, you are going to instantly have a ton of friends and you're going to have, you know, stuff to do and all this other thing, because that's just, that's just part of, of that. Right. But like people who go to school for like, I don't know, business or English or whatever, computer science, computer science, like there's, there's not that same kind of feel with that. And so like, I really do get why people would seek out a fraternity or a sorority because they just want to have a place where they belong. And like, hopefully they like, you know, at least 80% of the people there and they get along and it's, that's their place and cool. That's where they fit in. I think that's a, I think it's a great thing. It's like a social club and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the dark side of it. Bring it on. (laughs) Um, So obviously, when it comes to fraternities and sororities, there's always this uh, dark, uh, dark side to it, you know, with hazing and how you get into the sorority. (sighs) Um, uh, We'll talk about a couple of these are all come from bustle.com. So if you want to read a more comprehensive list, you can go there and look up the sorority horror stories that I found. But um, a couple of ones. uh, This one is from the University of California at Berkeley. Um, in 2012, Brittany Starling decided to sue the Zeta Pi Beta sorority after what allegedly happened to her during Pledge Week. Uh, Starling claimed that she was forced to clean up juice from the floor using her back and act as a trash can for what? other girls, taking whatever garbage they had and carrying it in her pockets. Based on her account, however, it went beyond humiliation. Starling claimed that things reached a physical level when she and other pledges were forced to stay awake 
all night without being permitted to use the bathroom. Uh, They were also allegedly forced to stand for hours. And when Starling's leg gave out, uh, she claimed a member hit her ankle with a book. (laughs) (laughs) And the emotional and physical trauma eventually culminated in Starling's decision to actually just go ahead and leave the entire school. Um, that is, and, that, you know, that I, just, I, it I doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Yeah, and I apologize. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable, and that's why I had a little chuckle oh, in there because everyone, just, everyone knows that. Everyone knows. That. I, I think that this does. is, I think that this is beyond ridiculous. Like, it's just insane. Um, but another I mean, one from there. There is part of that that, if we're being honest, it is farcical. It makes no sense in the world why anyone who is being forced to stay up all night long and if you don't do that or if you try to sit down they hit you like it's a fucking concentration camp there's right. no there, that is that is it almost is like a farce andrew like it, it, like is this reality right now like that's that's right. fucking crazy yeah, uh, another one from Penn State. Uh, in 2008, sorority pledge Joanne, uh, th- that's not her real name. She didn't want to share her, her name for fear of retribution. Um, she was forced to stand with her nose against a concrete wall during rush. She said if she or other pledges moved at all, they had their heads slammed oh into God. the brick. Oh, my God. Um, Joanne also allegedly had to clean a floor with her fingernails and drink what was she described as pitch black water um the college website said that they have a strict anti-hazing policy if violated um it results in blah 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 let's let's be honest penn state doesn't have the best track record for this yeah i i I think i think penn state also had like an anti-raping policy too didn't they that didn't work out so well yeah, I think I think honestly, Penn State might have come up when we did fraternities, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> they probably did. I mean, and, and probably in sports too. If if we're if if uh if if maybe I don't know, maybe we did. Um, makes it does not surprise me at all. But the I gasped when I read ahead a little bit about their heads being pushed into the brick if they moved. Like, yeah, fuck. Another man. one. From- I'll tell you what. The revenge I would take against those girls. The revenge I would take. Oh God, oh. it would be so sweet. It would be so sweet. <laughs> I would I would wait until they're about thirty five and have like two kids. Oh yeah, and then I would just invade their life and make it hell. Oh yeah, or like or like if they like got powerful at some kind of company or whatever, I would like buy my way into the company and yeah. like, at like, at like at like a board meeting or something. I would like just completely humiliate them in front of everybody, and I would ruin their fucking life forever. I would freeze their PowerPoint. God, <laughs> listen to us right now. Jesus. All right, another one from... Revenge uh, is terrifying. We've already done that yeah, one. I know. Another one from Rutgers University in 2010. A student pledging this New Jersey school's Sigma Gamma Rho sorority landed in the hospital after alleged... Uh, being beaten with paddles. Uh, the injured student pressed charges and six girls were actually arrested. Uh, the sorority staunchly voiced their innocence, claiming no such event ever happened. In response to the event, Rutgers suspended their chapter, uh, and so did the, the sorority's national organization. So at least Rutgers took some... I, this is the thing. Like They're saying, oh no, nothing happened. Oh, so this girl just randomly showed up to the hospital, um, like needing medical care because of nothing sure (laughs) jan sure jan Uh uh-huh uh and then finally uh there's one here it's kind of a a longer quote so i'm just going to read it verbatim um this is from dartmouth 
uh, from 2012. Oh, I've, uh, I've heard this one before. Yeah, this is this yeah, is ter- a, this is terrible. A girl who was rushing Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, quote, quote, I was blindfolded with two of my fellow pledges. We were guided into the back seat of a car, and one of our future sisters com- commanded us to chug the alcoholic punch that had been pre-prepared for each of us in individual 64 ounce oh water God. bottles jesus god almighty um simultaneously i was handed numerous vodka shots from the older sister sitting in the front seat after what couldn't have been more than a 15 minute drive i was told to get out of the car i did but then i lost all consciousness i woke up in the following morning in the intensive care unit at dartmouth hitchcock medical center i later learned that three other girls had also been admitted each having overdosed on alcohol due to hazing rituals oh my god Two fellow pledges and one was the pledge one was pledging another sorority sigma delta i had bruises and cuts all over my body two of my teeth were broken oh. and i was intubated and restrained oh my the doctor God. informed me that i had entered the hospital with a 0.399 <gasps> blood alcohol content i soon learned that a 0.4 blood alcohol content is possibly coma and death uh, i was literally one sip of alcohol away from dying Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That is so insane. And we wonder why we have alcoholism problems in this in this country, but whatever. <laughs> it's it's sorority's fault completely. Um yeah, only only them, yes. That is that that that's terrifying. I mean, look, you know, it's like everything else, it's the good with the bad. And um if you don't have people that are, you know, really controlling this stuff, bad stuff will happen. There it's it's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of kids pretending to be adults and they're not yeah. yet. They're not. And but all I will say to people, you know, that and I doubt we have listeners, very many listeners that are like college age, but whatever. Um, you have a choice and you can choose not to participate in these awful things if it doesn't make you feel good. Like it's it, it's it's as simple as that. And it, and yeah. you know what? It, it's gonna feel shitty for maybe like two minutes that you don't get to participate or you're not part of the club, but at the end of the day. It's your life, baby. It's you know what, Andrew. It's not even the end of the day. You know what it is. It's the next morning when you feel fine and everyone else doesn't. That's sororities. Well, I can't wait to go pledge myself. Uh, but before we do that, Andrew, we're going to go on to one of our most beloved segments next, and that is what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back. It's time for what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, you sorority pledge, bitch. I feel like they most sorority people have probably heard that. Term. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's it's like I was hazing them. Oh no. Yeah. All right, so this is the part of the episode where we talk about what we've been watching. I mean, we've been watching a lot, and we had a month off, so I had to cull down my list a little bit here. But yeah. uh, but uh, we'll we'll get into it, Maddie. What you been watching, bitch? Yeah, I I also I had to like remember. I was like, wait, what did I? Watch? Oh, I because, I take notes. I I have well, to have a, I have to have a thing. <laughs> so uh, you know, I I have been this year. I have been really religious about using my Letterboxd account. Like I I watch something and I immediately review it right away and like put it in my log and my diary and all of it. But um, for a good part of our hiatus, I was traveling. I was traveling for half of it. So 
like, I don't know when I travel back to the States, my brain just kind of goes haywire and I get, I get disorganized with some things and that happened with this. So anyways, um, the first thing that I've been watching was this and it was actually the, the night that uh, the night after we recorded our last episode, I went to the theater to go see it, um, which was probably a bad idea because I was pretty tired, but I went and saw Oppenheimer at the theater. Um, I saw Oppenheimer, the 35 millimeter, um, screening, Mm-hmm. Uh, saw it at Lighthouse here in Dublin, where I see everything. I should just stop saying it, honestly. Um, and it was until great. they want to pay us. <laughs> I know, right? Right. I, I do love you, Lighthouse. If you want a little sponsorship? Come on board. Um, literally mention you in every episode. Anyways, Oppenheimer. Um, Oppenheimer uh, saw it. Uh, Thirty-five millimeter. Uh, I'm just going to say this first. Like, I, I'm going to guess that a lot of you out there have already seen it. Um, but if you haven't seen it please do make this a thing you go see at the theater before it's gone. Like, don't like, don't wait to watch it on your little TV. Like, I'm sure you got a great TV. That's awesome for you. But like, go see it in the fucking theater. Like you need to, it's so cool. And if you can get a 35 millimeter or a 70 millimeter viewing, even better. Um, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was a really great film. Um, you know, I went to go see this at like a, a nine o'clock screening. It's it's a, it is not a short movie. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you that. And um and I was I was there for it. I was up for the whole thing, so I was pretty proud of myself. Um, Oppenheimer is the story of J. Robert Oppenheimer, um, the famous physicist who um, essentially formed the team that created the 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 atomic bomb. Um, that was uh, launched on on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War II in Japan. Um, it's the story of of him doing that. Basically, that that's all that this is. Um, you know, I I know I knew a little bit about his life story before this, but not a not a ton. And I certainly did not know all the drama surrounding it. Like, I mean, obviously, there's huge drama. Like, this guy made. I mean. If you think about like human history, you can think about human history as before the atom bomb and after the atom bomb, basically, because it is that big of, of a discovery and an invention in, in, in what humans know and how we have you know, learned ways to destroy each other. Um, so there's certainly drama in that. I get it. But the drama, like the political drama around him, I had no idea about any of that shit. And so it plays out just amazingly because really what what Oppenheimer is, is a courtroom drama in the end. And um, I didn't expect that. So I thought that was really surprising. Um, uh, obviously, Killian, Killian Murphy was fantastic. But um, I'll tell you who might almost steal the show here. Robert Downey Jr. Man, he is fucking fantastic in this movie and if he doesn't get the oscar for it i don't know no one should win because he was fucking amazing in this movie um so that's my little take on it i thought it was wonderful uh if you haven't seen it you should and um that's it see it in the theater oppenheimer yeah between uh this and barbie i have heard so many opinions on these two films that are so wide-reaching that yeah I think everyone just ha- owes it to themselves to go watch it and form just their own go, opinion. Just so go inform yeah. your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first one is Adam eats the eighties. Uh, this was a random one that we turned on and literally I could not stop. I watched all 10 episodes in one day. Um, this was originally on discovery plus, uh, which now has been uh, kind of dissolved and is now available on like Disney plus and Hulu. I watched it on Hulu, but you can watch it on, I think a lot of them. So, um, but it's, um, I don't know if you remember the guy who used to do man versus food. Uh, kind of. Yeah. 
Um, so he is doing this documentary series just all about like 80s food because like 80s food was fucking weird, man. It's like when Gushers came out and it like was when, weird. Like it it was just it was Goober Goober and, Grape. And um what he does is he go back goes back and like rediscovers all these things like uh there's one episode where he devotes all to big league chew and like the uh the kind of like how big league chew came to be and he actually goes to the original kitchen in like a suburban house where they baked the first like version of big league chew which was root beer flavored oh my (laughs) god root beer flavored um and he like like he goes to the original Auntie Anne's and sees like how they made the original pretzel. He goes okay, to I, I can't stand the Amish. The Amish freak me out. Yeah. Um. He goes uh like to the original Domino's and like how that all came to be. Like, did you know that at Pizza Hut the personal pan pizza was originally meant for executives on the go? Not I did for know children. that actually. Yeah. Like it's just it's all this like fascinating stuff. So if you like like weird like food history, which I think is just like fascinating because of like that's how, fun like, that like did you know that like for years there was no red and m&m because they didn't know if red dye number two was causing cancer oh my god like, like there's like weird stuff of all about, the things like, all of all stuff. the things so if you if you like that kind of stuff like i do and get kind of nerdy about it it's a really fun little show um what i will say about it is there are it is it is kind of hilarious because there are these collectors out there that have been like saving these like candies and like these cereal boxes and like all this stuff from from the 80s like they literally still have it like sealed and everything and i don't know what kind of deal they made with you know discovery plus at the time or like whatever but he opens all those packages (laughs) and eats them (laughs) and to like different uh some of them have lost all their taste some of them still taste the same but it's to watch these collectors that have had these items for probably 30 years and just weird i come in and open them it's just like wow. oh my god you can kind of see the slow trickle of a little tear come down their face but um that that's adam eats the 80s wow uh my next one is called talk to me another one i saw in the theater um talk to me is the latest a24 horror film um this is from the philippu philippo i'm not sure how to pronounce their name brothers um and this one is scary i'm gonna tell you that right now talk to me is um it's like a little movie um it's i don't know it's so many things it's um it's primarily a movie about how fucking dumb kids are i would say that like (laughs) well we just talked about that for the last 30 minutes (laughs) yeah and like i mean like kids are i mean god bless kids we were all kids once um kids are fun kids are cute you know all the rest of the shit but also like kids are annoying and kids are fucking stupid and this is a great movie about how fucking dumb they really are and um it centers around uh, i won't give you any spoilers but but, and if you've seen the trailer you know a, a good deal of it already um talk to me is about this like group of of kids in australia and like they're kind of friends they're 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 it's, it's a weird motley crew of people but they all like live in the same place and they all kind of hang out together whatever and like somehow they this this new party trick has caught on on like tiktok right and it's this fucking hand and this hand gets brought to parties and like you hold on to the hand and you say talk to me And when you say talk to me, you see some dead motherfucker in front of you and then you fucking get possessed. 
that's what the movie's about. It's a crazy concept. It's crazy. Like it's it's absolutely wacky. But let me tell you, this movie fucking cooks from the beginning. The opening scene is insane. And there is a scene. Oh my God, I can think of it right now. There is one scene. I mean, look, God, Andrew, think about all the fucked up shit you and me have watched over the years, yeah. right? There is this scene. I was I yelped in the theater and I had to I had to hide my face. I couldn't look at the screen. Like I couldn't look at the screen. It, it's so like the movie is like gory in 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 small ways that cause you to do that, you know? And it's scary enough that like you leave thinking about it a little bit. But I think maybe one of the scariest parts of it is just like once again thinking about how how incredibly um how incredibly easily influenced children are mm-hmm. to, to do things that they think are cool or popular or, you know, that, that seem a little bit risky, a little bit adventurous, just the things that they will do, even though they know that they shouldn't do it and how much damage they can cause to themselves when they do that or when they encourage each other to do it. So yeah, it's like the bloody Mary effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. You're, I think, I think that that's a great way to put it. Um, and so th- this film deals with a lot. I'll leave it there, but I, I highly recommend it. I think that they did a fine job with this. Um, you know, a 24, 99% of the time, a 24 is going to hit it, hit it, hit it out of the ballpark. And they did it yet again. Um, this one, you don't have to see in the theater. I think you could see it at home. Um, but I will definitely see it again when it comes on streaming. Yeah. I'm excited to check this out. I've, I've been really, really bad about getting to the theater this summer, just with everything going on. You got that new Alamo in Chicago. What are you doing? I know, but it's It's in Wrigleyville. Oh my God. I'm mad. Now I'm mad at both of you. Get your lazy asses down there and go to that beautiful place. I'm so mad mad that I don't have it. (laughs) Three times you should be there more. God, I'm mad now. Um, uh, parking there is awful. That's all I'll say. Um, oh, Jesus, <laughs> get a get a taxi. Fuck. Um, all right. My next one is uh, Twisted Metal, which is on Peacock. Uh, I'd, if you are a child of a certain age, you at least played Twisted Metal two on PlayStation. Like this was a cousin sit around the. We all played this. I don't know. Um, do you have any experience with this video game? No, because that was was that a PlayStation game? Yes. Yeah, that's that's why I don't have an experience. I I didn't have a PlayStation. I didn't, but my cousins did. Oh, oh. I was I was, so, I was a Nintendo sixty four kid. Yeah, so Twisted Metal essentially, when it comes to the game, is just about like these different cars that have like uh, different abilities that all fight against each other. That's 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 the game, um, and they they turn it into this TV show that. I was kind of like, is this going to be stupid, like going into it? And then I was like, you know what? Just give it a chance. And like, honestly, if you are a horror person and if you have any sort of uh, resemblance to this game, you got to watch the show because it was actually really, really good. And I'm sad because it came out literally a week after the actors went on strike. And so nobody promoted it. And so you have actors like Anthony Mackie, you have who, who's a, a huge Marvel guy. You have actresses like Nev Campbell uh, that just never were able to go out there and really promote it on on any sort of level. So I think it kind of fell a little bit flat. And on top of that, being on Peacock, which not everybody has access to. Um, but if you do have access to Peacock, I would highly recommend that you check out uh, Twisted Metal because it was actually pretty good. And they left it on a pretty good cliffhanger that I really hope that it gets a season two. That sounds like fun. 
Um, it is. It was really good. <laughs> Nev Campbell was really good in it, too. <laughs> oh, sweet Nev Campbell. We'll talk more about her later. Um, my next film is called 45 Years. Um, I watched 45 Years last night, actually. And I did so because I went on Twitter and I asked some of our followers, hey, has anyone watched anything th- that is sort of newish re- or at least kind of recent that that really scared them? And I got a bunch of different um, options. But the one that seemed um, to be the uh, sort of the odd man out was this movie called 45 Years. And I forget who told me, uh, but they were like, this is one of the the best slow burn thrillers I've seen in a long time. I was like, oh, that's right up my alley. Um, So 45 Years uh, was directed by Andrew Hay. And Andrew Hay is the same guy that directed the movie Weekend. Did you see that? The gay movie, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So he's that. That's what he's probably most famous for, among some other things. And and Andrew Hayes, he's a he's a great director. I think um, Weekend is one of my favorites. I thought it was thought it was really good. Um, and this has a, a really great cast as well. Uh, Charlotte Rampling, who's just fucking fantastic and everything, and Tom Courtenay. They they headed up as this husband and wife who are coming together to, uh, well, they, they're already together. They're, um, they're planning this big party for their 45th anniversary, right? And so like their kids are there and all these friends are there and all this other shit and blah, 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 blah. There you go. And I, this is not a spoiler, I promise. Um, in the first moments of the movie, um, the husband gets a letter, right? And the letter is that they found the body of the person that he loved before this woman. Right. And so it's 45 years later and or probably 47 years later and his first love, they have found her body that was frozen in the ice in the Alps. And so the movie, I know. Right. And the movie just unfolds from there. And I'm not going to tell you any more about it. I just think it's it's a movie that is very much worth seeing. It is slow. If you don't like slow movies, then don't fucking watch it. But if you if you like that kind of thing. Let me tell you, you should watch it. It's not terrifying for sure. And it's not so much of a thriller, but I will say that the end is, is worth it. And, um, just watching this all sort of play out while they're, you know, they're planning this big party, all these things are happening. And then you learn this bombshell information because she learns a whole lot of shit. And in, in the course of this, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, so whoever you are that, uh, that mentioned it to me, I can't remember right now for the fucking life of me. Um, thank you for mentioning 45 years. I will probably watch it again. Is this a, a, sorry, I may have missed it. Is this a newer movie or? Oh yeah. Good point. This is, it's from 2015. So it's, it's okay. not new, but it's not all that old either. And by the way, I watched it on Criterion channel. Um, but I think it's also on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. And it, I think it's on Netflix. So if you yeah, have Criterion just... for sure, but I think Netflix too. You can download this great app called Just Watch, and it will tell you where everything yeah. is listed. <laughs> um, my next one is uh, The Blackening, which is another one that kind of came and went, and I just didn't get a chance to go to the theater to see it. So when it came out for that, um, we have this amazing thing now in the U.S. I'm not sure how it's working over there, but we're like about four weeks after the movie comes out in theaters, you can pre- you can watch it for 20 bucks at home. And this is a product of the, the pandemic, but it has continued on. And I was gladly willing to pay the $20 to sure. watch this movie because I was going to go see it in the theater anyway. Um, 
this movie centers on a group of uh, of friends that are out at a cabin in the woods, like typical scary movie type thing. Um, But they find this game called The Blackening, and it's all from like, it's a board game from like slavery times, and it's not great, but they like start to play it. And um, I should say that they're all black themselves, but obviously from the movie called The Blackening, there's black people in it. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say this, but um, but it, um, the thing about this is it's kind of a little bit more of a satire. It's kind of a little bit more of a comedy. But the people that are in this, I mean, you'll notice these people. Um, you know, it had the one uh, woman from the HBO show. I'm blanking on the name right now, but okay. like... Um, there's a lot of like very familiar faces that are, are all hilarious, but you've never seen them all come together and like do a movie like this before. I don't want to give anything away because it's kind of a very unique movie and like, okay, it's kind of a farce, but it's kind of serious. And I, I don't really know. I think it's going to depend on who you are and how you watch it and how you okay. take it. Um, but it was, it was much more, there was much more depth to it than I saw on the surface because going into it, I thought we were going into like scary movie territory. And I mean, oh, scary okay. movie, like, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the sure. old scary movies. Um, but it's a much, it's much deeper than that. And it's much more funny than that. <laughs> so, Good. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance, I think it will probably be for like five or six bucks coming up soon and maybe even going to like Showtime or something soon. So you might have a chance, but definitely give the, the blackening a watch. It was really, really funny. Cool. Uh, my last one is one that I really hated, and I want to tell you all about it. Um, I, I can't. I can't tell you how much I hate this fucking show. I watched Hijack on Apple TV Plus. Um, now, okay, Apple TV Plus is sort of like half and half. There, half of the shows are really good, like Silo, for example. Incredible show. They did such a great job with it. I'm even reading the books right now, the Wool series. Um, and then there are shows like Hijack, which are utter shit. So Hijack should have been a great fucking show. It is a show about a hijack, a plane being hijacked. That's what it is. And it stars a lot of great people. Primarily, it stars fucking Idris Elba, who plays the main character on this. Like, Idris Elba fucking rocks in nearly everything that he does. So I was all on board for Hijack, ready for. But there's some other great people in it, too. Ben Miles is in it. Uh, Eve Miles and, you know, a scattering of other people that you kind of know from, like, British television kind of thing, right? Or, like, or like movies. Um, hijack, the best way that I can describe Hijack, because it's about a hijack. That's, that's it. It's, it's fucking 10 episodes about a plane being hijacked. And maybe oh, they're going to crash it into London. Maybe they're not going to crash it into London. And you'll find out over the course of those 10 fucking hours. Anyways, um, they're an hour long each. Yeah. Yeah. They're a fucking hour long. Uh-huh. And the best way I can describe it is by, is by discussing masturbation. Quite frankly, it's like you're being edged for 10 hours, right? Like somebody has you tied down to a bed and they're like jerking you off for 10 hours. And then at the end of it, like you don't, orgasm like you finish the room but but there's but there's literally no orgasm in your body and you're like what the fuck was that even for because the ending was so fucking stupid it was so deus ex machina so worthless so pathetic like like i feel visceral about this show that's how much i hate it i hated this show it's so dumb do yourself a favor don't be like me and suffer through it don't do that instead know that you have a choice and watch something else hijack don't watch it oh my gosh i've never heard you be so uh, oh i hate visceral. it honestly the, the, it was the ending andrew I, I i was like okay 
the ending might just wrap it all up and might make me feel better. Like it might, it might do that. No is the answer. Ugh, that sucks. Sorry. Um, my last one uh, is a recommend. <laughs> so, yes, um, it, it, it is uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh, I'm, on, I'm watching this tonight. I can't wait. I'm so excited. On Amazon Prime. Uh, this, uh, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be totally fair. My uh, review of this is only about the movie. I, I, I did not read the book. I didn't even know it was a book. I'm so sorry. I'm a bad I did kid. read the book. Yeah. But um, so I'm, I'm actually interested to hear what your opinion is on it sure, because you yeah. did read the book uh, because that seems to be the division online of like who really enjoyed it and who kind of just like was like, it was fine. Okay. It was if you read the book or not. But um, I, I thought that this movie, it starts off super corny. I mean, we're talking like, um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to compare it to a movie. Oh, I don't know. Like, what is it? What's the one with Princess Genovia? Like, you know, with <laughs> uh, like Princess Diaries, you mean? Yeah, Princess Diaries. Okay. It kind of starts a little bit like in that lane. Like, you know okay. what I mean? Like, that's how you feel at first. But over the course of the movie, it gets more and more adult and more yeah. and more like how we see the world as like a oh, certain good. age of gay people. And like, I don't know. So the main story is that basically that the uh, president's son and the British empire's prince fall in love. And like, it's all about them, like navigating what that means for them, uh, what that means for the British, you know, that system, what it means for the president system in the U S and like that, how that all, you know, evolves and devolves at the same time and how they navigate that. Um, I thought I was going to hate this going into it because it looked super sappy and super like, I don't know, like bubblegum, but like it, and it on the surface it is, but like, then they throw in these lines where he's like, Oh yeah, my name is, uh, he has like four names. I, I forget like what they all are, but like the, the, the president's son has like four names because he, he took his, both of his parents' names. Sure. And, um, he's like, Oh, I thought that my name was a mouth or I thought I was a mouthful. And the, on the, and the British son goes, you are. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's like little things like that that make it more adult. And I think it more accessible to maybe people a little bit older like us. Um, but I loved it. I was crying by the end. Yeah. Then I find out. We, so listeners, you don't know this, but me and Maddie got to hang out while we were on break. And d- we were hanging out with his family. And I'm talking to uh, Anna, your niece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I'm like, oh, I really loved it. And she was like, oh, yeah, I dated that guy. Oh, and I was God, like, that's right. That's right. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. And she goes, yeah. The, uh, what's his name? His name is Taylor Perez. Yeah. Um, she's like, yeah, we went to high school together. I dated him and I, and I dumped him and I, and I looked right at, and I, and I looked right at her and I go, why? <laughs> oh, that's so good. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like the most random thing. And then I, I sure enough, I look on his IMDb and he's, he's from Indiana, went to high school yep. in Indiana. And I was like, uh-huh. wow, that's small little world. But yeah, if you haven't watched Red, White and Royal Blue, I think it is right up there with like a Love, Simon or like, you know, those movies that are like in the, in the zeitgeist for like gay people that are really, really yeah. accessible and really like good for like younger generations to watch is it a little bit more adult i wouldn't i wouldn't watch like i wouldn't like have a 12 year old watch it but i would have like a 15 year old watch it you know what i mean 
So yeah, you know, I'm 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 glad to hear that. Um, I I read the book, and uh, you know, I I read the book. It was a while ago, and I can't remember the full plot. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, I know the basics of it, but I can't remember everything that happens. And I remember reading the book and crying. Um, and I don't remember exactly why, but I mean, clearly it touched me. Um, so I'm I'm glad to hear that this was uh, a good one for you because I'm I'm hoping that it is for me too. Yeah, so that will do it for what you've been watching, bitch. Maddie brought us oh. I almost said Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Oppa. <laughs> that's, that is the that's my Michigan accent coming in. Um, Oppenheimer, talk to me, which are both at the cinema currently. Forty five years, which you can find on the Criterion Channel, and Hijack, which you shouldn't watch on Apple TV Plus. Oh my God! So someone needs to make a joke about Midwest people saying Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Andrew brought us Adam Eats the 80s on Hulu, Twisted Metal on Peacock, The Blackening, which you can get on demand, and Red, White, and Royal Blue on Amazon Prime. So, folks, we'll take a break here and come back with our first film in the episode, Killer Party. I wonder what Mrs. Henshaw is going to do now. Go to me. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I'm still hung over from that killer party. Do you like that one? Is that funny? <laughs> it's pretty good. Not bad. Tell us all about the 1986 masterpiece, Killer Party. By the end of the dance, some of the sorority sisters were dead on their feet. Three sorority pledges are tasked with ensuring that the gals of Sigma Alpha Pi throw a killer party at an abandoned fraternity house. Unfortunately, a vengeful spirit decides to take the killer epithet literally <laughs> directed by William Fruitt written by Barney Cohen production company and distribution was handled by polar entertainment, telecom entertainment, marquee and MGM Blake is played by Martin Hewitt. Martin is played by Ralph Seymour. Phoebe is played by Elaine Wilkes. Professor Zito is played by Paul Bartell, which you've seen in a million things and you still don't know what he's from. Uh, Vivia is played by Sherry Willis Birch. Veronica is played by Alicia Fleer. Harrison, is played by Woody Brown and Jennifer is played by Joanna or I should say an introducing because that's what they do in the in the credits an introducing Joanna Johnson Joanna Johnson uh, like she was going to be a huge star uh, because of Killer Party um, this is rated <laughs> R it came out on May 9th of 1986 it comes in at 91 minutes uh, most locations were in and around Toronto and Ontario uh, made in Canada obviously Maddie uh, this was a first time watch for me what was this a first time watch for you as well 
It was. Yeah. And also, by the way, I couldn't find any budget information on this thing anywhere. Um, but I, I just, I know it was low budget. So there's that for you. Um, yeah, it was a, a first time watch for me. Um, didn't really know what to expect. And that sort of kept on throughout the entire film, if I'm being uh, honest with you. Especially the first 15 minutes where I didn't know what movie. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like uh, there was a movie in a movie, and then there was like a uh, like a music, music video, video within a movie, and you're like, "Is this is this like a musical review? Is that what we're doing now?" Um, but that's not what it is. Killer Party is about um, three sorority um, three sorority pledges. I'm about to call them sisters um, who just are you know, trying to get into the fucking sorority, man, and so they get tasked with doing some stupid shit. Um, kind of the stuff like we were talking about earlier, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, like for instance, they are laid, they lay down on the ground and, uh, uh, sorority sisters crack raw eggs into their mouth and they have to for then no reason. And then they have to spit them back up into a cup afterwards. That's just the level of weird hazing shit that goes on at the, yeah. what the Sigma alpha pi sorority house. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's just like, it's stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think the, the I, I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, from what I can tell, because I also don't really know much about it besides, you know, the fact that I just watched it and I've done a little the, the sort of the surface level of research. I think that there's there's definitely a good cadre of people in the horror community who really do love this. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder if that's just because they love 80s slasher, 80s slashers in general. And this one just fits in so well to that. I, I think, you know, I was watching um, um, another, uh, what do you call it, uh, like video podcast thing today just to get some other the thoughts about it from other people. And there was this guy that does a video podcast called Drum Dumbs, which I, I'd never heard of before. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a terrible little video podcast. Um, and he was talking about this in terms of like the acts of it and how <clears throat> it doesn't really become like, like, like the the thing doesn't really happen until the third act, and by then you're kind of like, what? That's, that's just wh- how? Like what? What's going on? And I guess I would maybe sort of agree with that. Um, in some ways, I think that it it ends in a way that you're not really expecting. Um, just because like you're just not. Um, I, I I thought it might take one direction, and it ended up being the possession direction. I don't know if mm-hmm. you did you feel that way too at all. Yeah, I thought that maybe we were getting like, uh, I wasn't sure if we were getting like a slasher or if we were getting like a ghost. So I was like, I was kind of like leaning in different directions there. There's a couple of clues early on in the movie, um, specifically with uh, Mrs. Henshaw and Professor Zito, where they kind of turn to the camera, which is kind of like the killer's point of view. And they're like, what are you doing here? And so like, I I, I should have put two and two together, but I didn't. And so, like, I, it's kind of on me at the at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I guess. But 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 I mean, even that being said, there, there's an awful lot going on in this movie. Like, oh my god, so much. <laughs> there's it, there's 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 like, frankly, a lot to keep track of. You know, and and another thing that I was watching from somebody else, they were like, I feel like I know all the people's names after I watch this. I was like, I don't. There's so oh, many people. That's where I'm gonna disagree wholeheartedly because all of these. All of these people, apart from our main three sorority sisters, all looked the same 
and I could not tell you who was who beyond exactly. like, our main three girls. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I, I, of course, we, we, if, I mean, if you don't know who they are at the end, you, you didn't watch the movie, but everybody else, like, absolutely not. I don't, I don't remember any of their names. You know, I'll tell you who I, I'll tell you who I do remember. Who's that? And that's Blake. Oh yeah. The Blake action, huh? He was, he was pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. He was very cute. What does Blake ask her to bring down the flashlight? Yes. Yes. You know, she. I'm going to tell you one thing that bothered the hell out of me. He asked her to bring down that fucking flashlight. She brings it down. He doesn't use the flashlight. <laughs> it, 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 it stays turned off. I don't understand. Well, Why it's, did, to get her, it, it's to get her to come down there so he can give her some sweet, sweet kisses. Well, yeah, I know. But, like, shouldn't she just turn it on? Yeah, I agree. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it help things anyway? But yeah, um, so this is a first time, like I said, a first time watch for me as well. This this was tough because like I didn't realize how many sorority movies we had already done in That's our arsenal. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like, I don't want to say it was a scrape in the bottom of the barrel, but I was kind of like looking for movies that like I was like, oh, I hope this is about a sorority because I'm not totally sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I got to Killer Party. I know I had seen other people like with little reviews on this and I knew it was kind of like a, a B, you know, like kind of like a lot of these like Canadian horror movies that maybe didn't make it to the US sure, until like yeah. early 90s or whatever. Um, and so I was like, you know what, we've, let's watch this. Like, this will be fun. If, if anything, it'll be stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, but overall, like it kind of did surprise me. Like I said, there are kind of two false beginnings to this movie. So you have this like kind of almost, um, what I would say is like a, almost like a tales from the crypt episode at the beginning where you have this story about, uh, people at a wedding or not at a wedding. Oh my God. At a funeral, <laughs> um, where they're, they're mourning the death and the, uh, and I don't know if you noticed this, but that pastor was obviously so gay <laughs> oh my god 1000 percent gay um and uh the the daughter-in-law kind of stays behind and she tells the you know she tells off the mother-in-law in the coffin and the, what happens the mother-in-law comes alive and pulls her into the casket and she's burned alive and you're like whoa what the fuck am i watching and then you realize oh okay we're at a drive-in and you're like okay well here's here's the real start to the movie we're at a drive-in and they're watching that movie and then there's this extended sequence where she goes to go get concessions and do all this stuff. And then it turns Lots. into, I, I, I think it's a, what's supposed to be zombies. I wasn't quite sure. Probably. Yeah. Um, and then when you think you're in like this drive in horror zombie movie, a music video starts from, yeah. from white sister called you're no fool. And, <laughs> they just have like this extended like five minute credit sequence of a music video. And it's funny because they're talking about April, you're no fool. And it's all about April fools. Yeah. This entire movie. Look, look what um, they did there. People. Um, what I will tell you that we discovered through the little bit of research that I did is that this movie was originally called April fool's day, but it's, Oh, there was another little movie slated for 1986 called April Fool's Day, which we've covered on this oh, podcast right, before. Of course. Yeah, 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 sure. And so they changed it to Killer Party. So that's like a, just a little bit of um, kind of a thing around the movie. Um, and then after the music video is done, you learn that Phoebe, one of our main three girls, is actually watching that music video on TV. So it's kind of like this, like, Jesus Christ, is the movie starting now? <laughs> like, 
But um, yeah, overall, uh, I had fun with this movie. It's not going to be for everybody. It's kind of in a weird way, a slow burn, which I, I, I it, and not yeah. a slow burn in what we know, because it's kind of just like for, I don't know, I would, what would you say for the next like 60 minutes of the movie, you're kind of just like following the lives of these sorority girls yeah. and like their day to day and like getting kicked out of class. And there's this one really weird guy, Martin, who's always trying to sexually assault Jennifer. <laughs> Martin, um, Martin is fucking weird. Well, and he ends up like with Vivia, but he constantly wants to go after Jennifer. It's, I know he, he's like classic weird. I mean, this is like meatballs level of like, like uh, weird dudes, like wanting yes. weird stuff from women. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. Um, I, I do. I did like uh, the sequence where you think that they're being haunted and Vivia is in the guillotine and she gets her head chopped off, but not really. Um, I thought that, that was all done really well because I was like, whoa, are we, oh, we're getting like a haunting movie now. And then it turns out it's an April Fool's Day joke. Um, I, I will say the one thing that didn't really connect for me on the ending is I still don't really understand why the spirit came back. I don't get it either. Um, I, they they say in the movie it's because she played the pranks and that because he died in a prank you summoned that a demon. Evoked. But it, yeah, and, but then they say it summoned a demon, not the spirit of that fraternity sad. brother who died. And, and yeah, and, and even like with a fraternity brother that died, we don't really get the whole story. So like, just the the question just lingers. It's sort of just like why in general for for so much of it. Well, and even we get like towards the beginning of the movie, we get Mrs. Henshaw, who is their uh, sorority mother. It was uh, an incident. Yeah, and she goes to the grave, and she's like talking to the grave, like she knows who he was. But we never get the full story about That's, that because she dies yeah. in the next scene. So right, it's it's a little bit. This movie, the best way I can put it, is it's a little bit scattered, and then they give you kind of this like, uh, like literally, I'm not joking with you. If you've not seen this movie. I would say probably 12 people die in a 10 minute sequence. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, they just, right. they knock them off right, one by one, like right after another. Uh, one of my favorites being the guy who gets the spear gun up his bunholio. Yep. <laughs> bunholio. Remember in Salem, there was bung, bunghole liquors. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, some, some, some little things that I took out of this. I loved Mrs. Henshaw when she's talking about the girl, she's like, Oh, they're, they're so sweet. So sincere. So sorority. I thought that, so that was a sorority. <laughs> thought that that was a good line. Um, the music in this was pretty choice. I will say that I'm trying to remember. Well, there, there um, was, there, there was one song. What's the one song in it? Um, these are the best like, times of our lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, well, there, well, there's that of course, but then there's another, Another song that's actually popular. Oh, I didn't write this down. Damn it. Oh, but there was one song that I was like, I wonder how they got the rights for that in this movie. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't can't know. remember what it was. Um, I thought the one scene where uh, they are in like the sorority slash fraternity meeting and um, Professor Zito is taking over as like leader of that. Professor and, Zito. What a professor indeed. And what a well, name it, for this and man. That, and that, I, I, like I said, when I was reading the credits, that actor has been a teacher in literally like 17 <laughs> things. And I, hey, still, when, you, <laughs> when, you, when you do it right, you do it right, you know? Um, I loved when he was like, you know, he's going on about like, I'm so happy to be joining this, blah, 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 blah. And then he'll, all of a sudden he's just like, and now you're really film on dangers of hazing. <laughs> just like, it's just like the way he delivers. Yeah. It's really funny. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other things. Oh, this this is the the weirdest exchange in this movie is between Vivia and Martin, and they're making out in his convertible while Jennifer is like getting. It's like the cringiest makeout scene you've ever seen. And and he's continuously looking up at like Jennifer's window, um, because she's maybe getting dressed or whatever. Um, and and Martin says to Vivia, he goes, "You taste so sensuous." Oh. And Vivia goes, "Oh, I know. I gargle with musk." And I was like, "It doesn't, doesn't even make any sense, you fucking weirdo." Um, I have in my notes. I did have my notes. I'm like, guillotine titles are fun. Like <laughs> that, that kind of set things up at the very beginning. Like when it just says like killer party and then it, like does the guillotine uh, down on it. I thought that that was fun. Um, I think most of my notes I've kind of said this is kind of a straightforward I movie. Mean, that, that's just the thing. That, I mean, if if we're being honest, that, I mean, and look, it's not like you and I are not like film geniuses over here or anything. Don't get us wrong. But there's not all that much to say about killer party i mean it's literally about a killer party i mean i i will i will say i did not expect this movie to end on a uh like a uh like a down note because it is like yeah, such fair a, enough it is like such like an 80s romp that i expected like kind of like night of the demons at the end of the night the two sure. people walk away and everything's good you know at the end of this it was where she basically what happens is, you know, for people that haven't seen this is that uh, Phoebe ends up stabbing Jennifer, who Jennifer had been um, uh, possessed by the demon and or ghost of a fraternity brother, that <laughs> whatever it is, sure. 10 years ago. Um, and so Phoebe stabs her. Uh, and then uh, Vivia is very injured at this point and she's crawling on the ground. And then Phoebe is then, uh and you know they never they, they do have like a one runaway line with jennifer where they say oh she was possessed by him because she was the only one that didn't want to be at this party and i was like what like What's did she bit? what sort of rule is that like yeah um but then we throw those rules out right out the window because then phoebe becomes possessed by the ghost slash demon um but i i did think though that that ending scene was pretty like sinister because i I would i would i would agree with you like her getting into that ambulance with the the you know demon possessed girl like you know it's it's certainly it's haunting it's scary and the only thing i would say though is that the tone of it is different from the rest of the film so it it becomes it becomes very atonal because you're just it's it's not what the rest of the film was at all. So well, it, it certainly ends on, on a striking note, but it's just that striking note comes out of nowhere. Well, and then what starts to play right after that is these are the best times of our lives, which right. is like this, this like, um, what's the, what's the, what's the best way you would describe that song? Kind of like maybe like uh, go-go's. Yeah. I mean, sort of go-go's. It sounds like a chorus of girls who are like supposed to sound like a chorus of girls. Do you know what I mean? Like it's produced in that way. Mm-hmm. And, so it, and like the style of the song, I guess would be go-go-ish. That, that makes yeah. sense to me. Um, I will say the first couple times where we get an inclination that Jennifer is possessed were kind of hilarious. <laughs> where she, yes. uh, she goes cross-eyed and she does listen that they, they take uh, what the exorcist did and um, uh, they do it a different way. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. You have to watch the movie to understand, but she essentially goes around going, <laughs> 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 it's so gross 
<laughs> yeah, by the end of it, I was like, okay, we get it. Like, you can stop spitting all over the place now. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, overall, I think that this, like a lot of these 80s movies that we watch on this podcast, it's kind of like, yeah, it's enjoyable. Is it a good, is it a good, like, is it a good movie? Yeah. Probably not. But is a certain audience going to really probably dig it and have fun with it? Yeah. yeah. I, so. I, I think I think you hit it on the head right there, and and um, I, I'll I'll just I'll give you my rating and my my takeaway right now because it it goes right with that, and it's this, and I said, eh, you know, it's it's a slow burn of an '80s slasher, and while slow burns usually appeal to me, this one isn't it. And and my other my other thought there is this: I think that a lot of times '80s slashers get away with murder. <laughs> you like that joke? Um, because they're '80s slashers. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you if you're a big '80s slasher person, you're gonna love this, and you're gonna be fine with it. Um, I just think that if you're if you're not so much, which I'm not so much, you're you're gonna see and go, oh, uh, oh, okay. I gave it a three and a half. Yeah, I said there is a lot of movie in this movie. <laughs> that is a, <laughs> another great way to put it. Um, pacing might be a little against it, but the weirdness kept me going. And the final payoff, I kind of loved it. And I'm talking about the end that we talked about. Right, right, right. Sure. Um, I gave it a 4.5. Listen, I, I get more enjoyment out of this kind of movie than Maddie does. And so I think that if you more fall in line with maybe how, how I like movies, right. you'll, maybe, you'll maybe love this. And if you fall in line with maybe how Maddie likes movies, you might think think it's just kind of like middle road so yeah but uh that does it for uh killer party we'll Woo-hoo! take our 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 next break and we'll be right back to to introduce a franchise in the sequel <laughs> scream 2 two windsor college students were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie stab starting again randy this has nothing to do with us randy a guy in a ghost mask hacked up two people in the movie theater telling our life story Hi, Gail Weathers, author of The Woodsboro Murders. Do you think the killer will strike again? We have no evidence that this is a serial killer. It's a classic case of life imitating art, imitating life. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Do you think someone's trying to duplicate Woodsboro? It looks like it. I think you have a copycat on your hands, Chief. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? I want you. Showtime. Police are everywhere. There is some freaked out psycho trying to follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps. You probably already know. The way I see it, someone's out to make a scene. So it's our job to observe the rules of the scene. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Two, death scenes are always much more elaborate. I just want to sit here and wait and see who drops next. I'm not interrupting anything, am I? Was that a whale? No, I think it was a scream. Maddie, tell us all about Scream 2. Someone has taken their love of sequels one step too far. Two years after the terrifying events that occurred in Woodsboro, Sydney is now attending Windsor College in Ohio, and Gail Weathers' best-selling book on Sydney's life has now been made into a major motion picture. 
When two college students are killed in a theater while watching the new film, Stab, Sydney knows deep down that history is repeating itself. Scream 2 was directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, produced by Conrad Pictures, Craven Madalena Films, Dimension, and distributed by Dimension Films. Maureen was played by Jada Pickett-Smith. Phil was played by Omar Epps. Sidney Prescott by Nev Campbell. Hallie by Elise Neal. Cotton Weary by Liev Schreiber. Mickey by Timothy Oliphant. Randy Meeks by Jamie Kennedy. Derek by Jerry O'Connell. Hi, Jerry. Gail Weathers by Courtney Cox. Joel by Dwayne Martin. Debbie Salt by Lori Metcalf. Dewey Riley by David Arquette. Cece by Sarah Michelle Geller. Sorority Sister Lois by Rebecca Gayhart. And Sorority Sister Murphy by Portia de Rossi. The film is rated R. It was released December 10th of 1997. It's 120 minutes long. It was filmed at Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia, and a couple of places in LA. Um, uh, made in the USA, of course. Budget was $24 million and came in with a whopping $172 million gross. Scream franchise is one hell of a moneymaker. Yes, indeed. Um, obviously, I don't think this was a first-time watch for no. either of us. No, not at all. Uh, I've probably seen this movie 47 times, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, uh, this was actually the first Scream that I saw in the theaters. I oh, remember really? going, to, going to see this with my uncle uh, when it you, came out. How did you out. see Scream 1? Uh, like renting it, renting okay. it on on tape or whatever from Blockbuster or whatever. Um, I think I was just a little too young that yeah, somebody would, that yeah. somebody would have taken me. Like, not not super young. I I obviously rented it, but like, um, nobody was willing to take me to the first one. But when the second one came out. I knew I had to see it and not, oh, yeah. and, and obviously seeing that uh, my, my girl, Sarah Michelle Geller was in it in the previews. I was like, well, I have to see this movie because this is like peak Buffy time um, in, in that kind of in that, in that. And then in the same year she had, I know what you did last summer. So yeah. huge year for her. Um, but um, overall, uh, I'm not going to lie. Scream two is probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite in the franchise. Sure. Uh and it was interesting this time because there were things that I picked up on this movie this time around, even though I watched it, like I said, probably 47 times that I hadn't really picked up on before. And it most of that is in the writing, um, which is obviously Kevin Williamson, Kevin Williamson, famously gay man. So listen, all you fucking horror people out there that don't like gay people. He's responsible for all the screams. Exactly. So. You fucking assholes. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Um, but, uh, there were things in it. So there are many, many points in the movie where either mommy issues, mom left town, like little things to where you're like, oh, he's like, he's edging us to get to the mom sure. you know, ending. But I had never really picked up on it before. Like, um, when Randy is talking to the killer on the phone and he goes, uh, Billy was a mom, was a pussy mama's boy and then he like gets pulled into the van and is killed uh, oh i didn't think about that either 
And then there's the point where they're watching the clip of um, this new Stab movie, and it's like a, pro- a promotional clip and Tori Spelling, which that's a really funny joke from the first movie because Sidney Prescott says in the first movie, oh, they probably get somebody like Tori Spelling to play me. And, <laughs> and, then, and then they do get Tori Spelling, but they're watching this clip on uh, the TV, and the clip is of Billy and Sydney having their standoff in the hallway where she said, your mom left town. She's not in a coffin somewhere. And I was like, there's another mom reference. Like yeah. there's all these little mom references that I think are really smartly woven in to make you understand by, by the end, uh, you know, Billy's mother is, is obviously, you know, spoiler alert, one of the killers. Um, what's interesting about this movie is that in the time that Scream 2 came out, and then I'll let you kind of say what you want to say, like with your initial thoughts. Um, There were a lot of different screenplays for this because this was the weird time in the internet where like leaking stuff was like big business, like leaking nudes, leaking little like sex tapes, like and uh, the Scream 2 original screenplay got leaked. Uh, And so they had to change the ending and change some things up so that people didn't know who the second killer was. I think that Billy's mother was always meant to be one of the killers. What I learned is that originally Hallie was actually the other killer. Oh, no way. Yeah. So that's, and, but when you watch the movie, you kind of understand where they could take that because who's the only person she takes with her when she goes on her like uh, police sequestered, you know, ride. Yeah, sure. Allie. So that would make a lot of sense too. And one little anecdote about Hallie, because I think she's one of the most uh, disgraced characters in the whole Scream franchise, is that when we went to Horror Hound, Elise Neal was at Horror Hound, and I went up to her and I said, "I all I said was Sydney really needed to know," and she laughed. <laughs> I thought that because that <laughs> yeah, I just think I just think Hallie's death is so cheap, and she goes through like so much in that it sequence, and then just to get killed off like right right there. Um, we're and listen, we're in Scream Universe, so like you got to give it a little bit of like, well, the killer could be anywhere at any time and they move with the the power of speed and lightning. So, but, um, uh, that's that, those are my thoughts. My initial thoughts. I have a lot more, but, um, Maddie, what did you think of scream two? I I mean, I, I love, I love, I love all the scream movies. I, I, I think each one of them has their own special little thing. And I think scream two is, um, is fantastic for a number of reasons. I think, First of all, first of all, I think it's just a solid sequel. Like it, for for being the first sequel in the franchise, it does a fantastic job of continuing on the story. Yeah, in, in, in really great ways. You know, I I I I knew it was about the mom, of course, but I hadn't really thought about uh, about your astute note on just how expertly that's woven in to the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really special. I mean, and it just shows you, you know, what a, what a great writer Kevin Williamson really is. Um, because, look, I mean, it, it, we are all people that love horror, so it's easy for us to understand that, that like, this is an actual art. It's not just some you know shitty little thing. But yeah. I think a lot of people out there that aren't the biggest horror fans um, don't really think about horror in that way. They don't think about the, the meticulous nature of the art that goes into it. Um, and in this case, the art of writing and really making something just sort of slow burn um, throughout throughout the entire script until it finally pops near the end. So just expertly done there. 
um, for me, it's it's the, for me, Scream Two is right in the middle of of the Scream series. So for me, if I I just actually just went to my letterbox list to see how I had ranked them. Scream it's Scream One for me, then Scream Three, then Scream Two, then Scream Six, then Scream Five, then Scream Four. That's how I rank them. Um, so you know, for me, that that's a pretty good ranking for for Scream Two. Um, there's there's other parts of this that I really love. Um, obviously, Jerry O'Connell. Hello. Who we've him. had on the show. Thank we've you very had, much. Yeah. Other podcasts. Have you had Jerry O'Connell? No. And we honestly, did. the best he's ever looked is yeah. on Scream 2. I mean, look, also, Jerry, if you're listening right now, which we know you are because we know that you love our show. You've never not looked good, by the way. <laughs> you look good right now, too, Jerry, also. But we're just saying you looked really good right there. And look, Jerry, who didn't look good when they were like that age. Do you know what I mean? So, well, I mean, I think it's the best Nev Campbell's look, too. I mean, I mean honestly, you know, you're right. Look, Timothy Oliphant was looking fine, too, in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, look, that, that they were all young, right? No, we're not anymore, are we? Um, anywho, we will, we will, we will mourn Portia de Rossi's dark Portia de Rossi. eyebrows. <laughs> um, you know, but, but other things about this are really cool too, right? I mean like, okay, so obviously they're, they're going to college now, they're out of high school and like, you know, they get, they get creative with it. Like, you know, Sydney is a theater major and she's in Agamemnon. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. Like it's, it, it's weird. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but like, you know, here she is doing this thing. And so you've got to play within a movie that gets played with over and over again with within the, um, within the script. I thought that was really cool and really inventive and really creative. Well, did you um, notice in both of our movies that we watched today, we had movies within movies? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. Fair enough. Um, and, um, the other thing that's cool about it too, is that it introduces stab and stab becomes something that, that, you know, flows throughout the rest of this franchise and probably will continue on. Um, and that, that's a, that's a pretty cool movie within a movie now. And like the stab stuff, uh, the stab stuff really works. I think, you know, like, like you, like you were saying with the Tory spelling thing and then the mm-hmm. other sequels that happen and the other sequels of scream, it just becomes something that is super meta and and gives the story even more to play with. Yeah, um, my, my favorite line in that whole beginning sequence when yeah. um, Heather Graham is playing, you know, the the main character. Yeah, um, my favorite line, and it's the way she delivers it, and it's just iconic. Where she goes, you know what? I don't even know you, and I dislike you already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. Um, I will say that you know this. I mean, like you, I've I've watched this many times, and I I don't know how many, but um, this certainly wasn't my first watch. But on this watch, I I was really taken at the start of the movie with how annoying that audience really is. Oh my God. I would never, I would oh. leave. <laughs> oh my God. And like how much, like I am, there, there's only one movie theater that I go to in Dublin and it's lighthouse cinema, lighthouse cinema. When are you going to sponsor us at some point? You will, but I go because I go there specifically because generally people are like really respectful and they like, take the movie seriously, whatever that movie might be. They're right? there to watch the actual movie. <laughs> Thank you. And and every other theater that I've gone to here, that's not the case. And I just can't take that. Like, I can't take people talking in the theater. I can't take people moving around and getting up to fucking go to the bathroom eight times and, like, just, like, being on their... Like, oh, I, I can't stand it. And if I were in that theater watching fucking Stab, I would have stabbed everybody all of them i would have been driven to murder myself so um that was that was funny how viscerally i felt about that too um (laughs) the 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 ending of this movie is great um you know i love it when it's um when it's uh sydney and gail and their guns blazing like like and what a shot you know of just them together looking over fucking um debbie 
and just with those guns just right there it's, it's fucking cool like that that's 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 awesome Liev Schreiber is fantastic as Cotton Weary um mm-hmm. Liev Schreiber is really never bad in anything like he just he always plays whatever role he's doing he just does it right and Cotton Weary brought to life by Liev Schreiber it, could you imagine anyone else in that role do you know what well, I mean and the, the funny thing is is that Cotton Weary is like such a small role yeah. in the first movie. You could have easily recast anybody that kind of looks totally. like Liev Schreiber to be Cotton Weary in yes. this movie and then continue on into Scream 3. But what they smartly do and what I think is honestly probably the best thing about the Scream series is the continuity of the characters is just so good. Like they just yeah. they keep everybody and I don't know how they did it. Uh, but like to have basically leave Schreiber in the first movie, he's maybe in like two scenes on a TV. You know exactly. what I mean? Like yeah, he's totally. not even in it. So like to have that actual actor come back to play like this bigger role, I think is just it, it's like a high five to Wes Craven, you know, you know, be still your soul. But Aww. like, but I mean, uh, the, you know, the other thing, too, is that that's what's great about, you know, a horror movie, a, a horror franchise starting off with such a banger like Scream. Right. Because yeah. it, did, it does so well at the box office that then when it comes back for the next one, all the big time actors are like, fuck, yeah, sign me up. Let's fucking do this. And then you get this incredible talent that that wants to both be in it and come back. And yeah. so, you know, you have that with the Scream franchise. And that, that's why I think that's a big part of, you know, why it's been so good over the past six movies. And yes, I do think all of them are good. Um, it's because they, you know, we, we've benefited from such great talent coming back because, you know, frankly, they, they know that the money is there. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like I, I could go on and on, but Scream 2 was fucking great. Uh, I want to talk about some of my uh, standout uh, yeah, characters in this movie. Um, my heroes of the movie are... <laughs> so this first one, you may have missed her, but she always stands out to me because there's a bit character in this movie where uh, Sydney and Hallie are in the in the hallway of their dormitory at the beginning. And this girl, with all of her acting chops and might, to deliver her one line runs up to the camera and holds her chest and she goes you turn on the news <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you knew that that was that girl's biggest day of her life and it's it it always stands out to me and you know congratulations to her she didn't make our our credits here but you know there she is um the other two that i think just kind of almost steal the movie for me and i would love to see just a spin-off movie of just these two women is uh sorority sister lois and sorority sister murphy played by rebecca gayhart and portia de rossi yep. when when they walk They're up on the so scene, good. <laughs> when they walk up on the scene, you cannot take your eyes off of them. I love when Pushka <laughs> Rossi. I love when she goes, "Hi." No, I really mean that. Hi, and the way, <laughs> <laughs> and the way that she, when she first walks up, it's something about the way she and I don't know if it's an affectation oh, of Porsche so Rossi good. or whatever. When she goes, Sydney, <laughs> I just think it's like it's just like the funniest fucking thing in the world to me. And when they're talking about harmonica style, and my little teenage brain goes to what the fuck is harmonica style and then as a person who has sucked a dick now understands that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> get totally what they're saying now um i think uh laurie metcalf and where she pops up in this movie oh she's so good in this movie she's fucking she's she's spot on 
And Michael pointed out to me on this watch, if you notice, there is one part at the very beginning of the movie where you're following Gail Weathers and she is just slightly in the background giving this look to Gail Weathers. Was she really? Like, if you catch it, you're like, hold that bitch wants something from Gail Weathers. Oh, that's fucking Um, cool. I, I love when Gail Weathers says to her, listen, local woman. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I think that Courtney Cox and um, David Arquette have the best chemistry that they've ever had in any of these movies in this one, uh, because you can just tell. And, and obviously, they were a couple at this point. So you can just tell that they like they got eyes for each other. And uh, you, you know, see just, it. Just, thank, thank God for that little couple. And like, thank God that that's something that, that has lasted throughout the movies, because I just love it. I love it. Love yeah, it I don't. It. I don't know. Have, have we ever talked about this on the show where we were sitting on a landing at Horror Hound weekend? At and Horror David Hound. Arquette, yeah. <laughs> David Arquette came running up the stairs, and we were just all three sitting there staring at him. And he just looked at us, and he was like, "Hey, guys." No, no, no wait, but wait, no. We we said what? What did we say to him? Do you remember what we said? I think I think you said something along the lines of like, "David, we've been expecting you." Or yeah, something, was, like something like that. Oh no, I, I think I I might have done my joke where I'm like, "You're probably wondering why you're here, David. You're." Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I think it is something like that. Um, got, um, horror, we, that's the second time you mentioned Horror Hound when we were there. And what was that? 2019, was it? Yeah, yeah something like it, maybe even 2018. We had but, we had such a fun time at that thing. It was it was a good time. Um, but and I will say, I think that this movie, in terms of chase sequences, I think might rival yeah. maybe any of them except for a Drew Barrymore's in the very first movie. Because we get uh, C.C. Cooper, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, and her whole uh, her whole scene in the sorority house, um, uh, Omega Beta Zeta, which will never get old. I want a t-shirt. That oh, Omega Beta Zeta? Omega Beta Zeta. And I want it right under it. I want it to say, drink with your brain. I was, watching, um, I was watching uh, Kill Count today. Do you watch, do you watch Kill Count ever? Uh, occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Like, like I said, I like to get like a different perspective on things. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, you know, just tool around. Um, but the guy that does Kill Count, whatever his name is, he was wearing an Omega Beta Zeta shirt in the video. But did it say drink with your brain underneath? No, no, it, it only that's, said that. That's the thing you need. Um, and I also want uh, Jerry O'Connell's uh, letters in a necklace. So. I want Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> Period. Period. <laughs> that's um, it. <laughs> One thing that I thought that stuck out to me this time that I had heard other people comment on, and I guess I didn't even realize how small of a role it was, but what is Joshua Jackson doing here? Joshua, so uh, Joshua Jackson was 18 when when this was going on, wasn't it? And I sort of wonder, because, like, did Kevin just, like, grab him from Dawson's Creek and say, like, just come be in this really quick? I guess. Is that, is that what, because Dawson's Creek started what year? It was this time. It was, it was on so, TV at this so, time. So it was it was ninety seven. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that that all tracks. I I am just guessing that Kevin was like, "Hey, just come be in this too, really quick." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that um, it had to have been what it was. It's just funny, and that I know, and I'm demanding at some point we get this release that um, CC Sarah Michelle Gellar had other scenes that were cut from the movie. Well, and CC also uh, other possibilities for for playing her were Reese Witherspoon and Alicia Silverstone. That makes sense. Which yeah, makes yeah. Which, which I mean makes perfect sense. I'm glad it was Sarah Michelle Gellar in the end. I think 
she had she had the right tone for it. I think that the other two would have taken it in a different direction. Yeah, I think she's like she. I think she plays it a little more smarter than they yeah, would have. If I, it, I, makes I, any more I, sense. I, it makes total sense. Wait, what? What? Uh, I think that they would have played that character dumber. Yeah, and um. Oh, the other thing that I noticed this time around, and this is to alluding to Debbie Salt's character reveal, is that there is a point where uh, Debbie Salt introduces herself to Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers knows, you know, she's seen pictures of Billy Loomis's mother. You know, we learn at the end she's got had con- reconstructive surgery and lost oh, yeah, yeah, weight or yeah. whatever. But there was a point where Debbie Salt says, "Oh, I was at your, uh, I was at your convention in Chicago." Yeah, yeah. I sat uh, in I was front in the front row. Yeah. And then um, Gail Weathers says to her, oh, I thought you looked familiar. And that is a double entendre to her later reveal of being Lily's mother. Oh, it's crazy. So I just thought that that was really smart. Um, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is a little cameo by one of our our Riverdale parents, uh, Marisol Nichols. Oh, really? Yeah, she is the sorority sister who uh, scares Sarah Michelle Gellar and then is like, uh, make sure you set the alarm and leaves. Oh, that's, okay. That's yeah. that's Marisol Nichols who goes on to play Veronica's mother on Riverdale, which I did finish. Thank you oh, very much. I stuck well, around. I am never going to get there. Um, <laughs> a little a little trivia about Scream Two. I didn't know this. The cast were not informed of the identity of the killer until the last day of yep. principal photography. Yeah, I think that that was a result of that leakage of the of the screenplay. Isn't so. that wild, though? I mean, imagine like imagine like doing. I mean, I've I've been in plenty of plays before. Um, I I can't imagine like not knowing the end of the story until the very last day. That's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, um, I will say um, when we talked to Jerry O'Connell, he actually told us, and you can go back and listen to the interview, but he actually told us that he got a lot of flack for his uh, singing scene in the in in the cafeteria, which I flat out told him, I'm like, I think that's really endearing part of Derek's character that he would embarrass himself in front of Sydney, and it is, and and this is like this is the thing that I think that. In this movie particularly, I think Sydney Prescott is the smartest and the dumbest she's ever been in yeah. the series because she makes such like smart decisions on like uh, going with the police and going into like, uh, you know, their care and like having a, uh, them follow her around. And she's the first one to say like, no, this is probably uh, a copycat coming to get us. Like she does all this stuff, but then she does dumb shit. Like don't w- when she's crawling across the killer and she doesn't take off the mask, she waits until they're yeah. halfway down the street to run back and see who it is. She goes to the theater department instead of the police station when she's in at the end. Like they're like it, it, it she's, equally smart and dumb in this some, movie some dumb moves and it, it drives me insane because jerry o'connell didn't need to die derek could have lived jerry but... o'connell could have could have lived i will say like the singing I mean, I mean like come on the singing scene is and i hate using this word but it's so cringe like it's so cringe i think but, it's endearing but it's it is it's it's totally endearing and like it's it's sweet and it's good and i like that's just how it is um, I will tell you um, when you uh, do. You, do you remember when you were watching this? Did you kind of call any of the killers? No. So I actually did, and I'll tell you really? exactly. I'll tell you exactly when I knew Debbie Salt. I didn't know. I did not structure it that I thought Debbie Salt would be Billy's mother, but I did know that Debbie Salt was one of the killers because there is a moment, and it's in the part where. 
Um, she's chasing Gail Weathers through like the recording studio. Um, and there's just a moment where uh, Gail Weathers throws that shelf and it blocks the door and the you know, ghost face killer can just reach inside with the the knife. And yeah. the, the ferocity that happens right there with the frustration that she can't get to her to kill her and like throwing the, the chair at the window and all this stuff. I just knew in my brain, I was like, that's that that's that bitter woman. Wow. <laughs> and so I didn't call Mickey. I actually, that's the weird thing about Scream 2 and what it's really effective in doing it the first time you watch it is that you kind of forget about Mickey. Like, yeah, he, sure. like he, he, he's front loaded into the movie quite a bit. And then he's kind of just not a character anymore. And they're, you kind of just they're really good about doing that in these. Yeah. Films. They're good at making you forget people. And so, but it, but another clue to that, it's Mickey is that he's the only one with a camcorder. And so when David Arquette and Gail Weathers are uh, making out oh, and that video yeah. footage comes on, there's only one person that has sure, a camcorder. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we should have all known our idiot brains, but um, um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I think that this movie is excellent. I think that it, like you said, it is a great follow-up to a great movie. Um, and honestly, do I have a ranking of the screen movies? Yeah, I'd probably go two, one, four, three, well, maybe six, three, five, five. Oh, I, probably I, do, I do, I do love four too. I think I think four is underrated. I think the more you watch it, the better you like it. Um, but we'll get to those one day. Um, I just think Scream Two is just like the perfect follow up, and it really does set up for the you know continuation of the series. Um, and I think that they were really. I, and I, we have not talked about the controversial Randy Meeks killing um, because that I think is. I think that people that don't like this movie were huge Jamie Kennedy, Randy Meeks fans, and they don't like that they killed him off. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I like Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks, but other than that, Jamie Kennedy just bugs the hell out of me. If I'm being I honest, mean, I, I think that it's, I thought that it was really brave that they killed uh, Randy Meeks in this movie and the way that sure. they did. I thought that that was, it set you up for nobody is safe. And, um, and you know, I, I do think too that like how Randy gets memorialized later down the line in the franchise is actually kind of cool too, to be honest. Like I think, I think it's actually kind of neat the way that like that legacy lives on. Yeah. Um, you know, Oh, one, one thing that I didn't know that I saw in the credits this time is that Danny Elfman did the, uh, Cassandra music. Did um, he really? Yeah, just yeah. just that part, just that one part. Talk about a heavy hitter for that, Jesus, my God. Um, and then finally, one thing that will still that still uh, is possible today. I thought it was really funny that Mickey yells the line, "Hell, the Christian Coalition will pay my legal fees." <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, um, it's hard to 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 end it, but how did you score Scream Two? Listen, um, oh, oh, I gotta, I gotta move my paper. Um, I said this is probably my favorite in the series. Everyone has never looked or acted better, in my opinion. I'm gonna give it a six point five. I fucking love this movie. I don't know. What to there you go. Yeah, I also, I, I scored it way too low when I was writing this down. Um, I said, look, it, this isn't my favorite screen, but it ranks, it ranks around number three or four for me in the series. Um, and I think it does a, a fantastic job of being the first sequel in an incredible franchise. And for all the reasons that we just talked about for the last half hour almost, I mean, look, it fucking rocks. Uh, I give Scream 2 a 5. And I just want to leave you with one last quote, and then we'll move on to Hottie of the Episode. Oh, yeah, you're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis.
I fucking killed him. <laughs> yes. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. And folks, that does it for episode 104 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. But before we go, we have a final game for you, and it's one that we've played many times. And it's called this, Hottie of the Episode. Andrew, explain the rules of this very complex game. So this is so complex that it might take a while to explain it. But this is where we say who's the hottest person in the movies we watched. I know. That's really hard, (laughs) right, folks? Um, Andrew, who's your Hottie of the Episode? So while I want to do a, a minor shout out to Blake and Killer Party because he's pretty cute, I don't think anybody is ever going to win when Jerry O'Connell's on the screen. He's just, he's a forever hottie for me. Girl, same. Look, I, I, that's my choice too. Andrew and I very rarely have the same choice because we have very different tastes in men. Um, but I will tell you this, Jerry O'Connell for life, girl, for life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. forever. It's true. Whenever you want to come back on the show, Jerry, we are ready for you, babe. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime you want to take your shirt off, we're here for it. But we're anyway. ready. <laughs> so that does it for episode 104. Just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, if you want to support Friday the 13th, we are a proud independent podcast. So we depend on the generous uh, listeners that hear us, uh, whether that be leaving us an, uh, leaving us a comment on social media, rating us on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you can simply go over to Friday13.com slash support where you can learn about our Patreon and merch. And of course, another thing you can do is, you know, if you've already left a review, if you already are a patron, or if you just don't, you know, don't have the means to become a patron or whatever, that's totally fine. Um, you can also just tell tell your friends about us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we've been around for a good long while now, but uh, look, there's always somebody new coming to the podcast, um, which is always really cool. And we keep getting little notes and little things here and there of, of people that are that are new to us. So we, we really appreciate that. Um, so do tell your people, tell them on social media, tell them on Twitter while you can before that thing implodes, um, which by the way, are you following us on other things? Because you never know what might happen with Twitter. Um, we are at Friday 13, Friday one, three on everything basically. So if you haven't followed us on threads or on TikTok or on Instagram, you should follow us there too. Yeah. We're learning to be better on those <laughs> Yeah, we're trying. Yeah, it happens. But um, so that will do it for episode 104. We'll leave you with just one last thing, and that is to get, get slayed. slayed.